It's the 7 o'clock hour, and you're listening to the Morning Blitz. Oh, are we on the air? Sort of, yeah. Rick Corey. That's right. Had... Keep trying to get out of it. Brees Hulse. <laughs> Bryce Hulse. I'm sorry. Um... Coming to you from the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio on the Blitz 1170. 6.55 right here on the Blitz 1170. I don't know if you saw it or not, but Chet from the uh, Chet Holmgren from the uh, Thunder is uh, the only Rick rookie to do. Well, I'll have to get you the number here coming up in a few minutes. Also, I mentioned yesterday um, that I had the uh, <laughs> Rock Bottom Kings gambling bit from SNL the other night. I oh, have yeah. to play that from okay. Shane Gillis and and, uh, and uh, Kenan Thompson were the voices for it. Got to play that for you a little bit later on. Also coming up, Mick Wilson, the athletic director at Tulsa Public Schools. There was some news out of the school yesterday, not about that school, but I'll tell you what that is. I have this rule the NFL is thinking of adopting that's basically an XFL rule. We'll see what you think about that as well here as well. At 6.56, though, it's time for us, though, to let Bryce slash Sheldon go ahead and tell us a little bit about what happened on this day in sports history. Fire up Huey Lewis for a trip back in time. It's today in sports history with Bryce Hulse on the Blitz 1170. Brought to you by Triad Eye Institute. Now grabbing the back of a Jeep while on his skateboard. It's Bryce Hulse. This day in sports history, February 27th, 1908, the sacrifice fly rule is adopted. No time at bat is charged if a run scores after the catch of a fly ball. The rule will be repealed in 1931, then reinstated or changed several times before gaining permanent acceptance acceptance in 1954. 1918, the first neutral site game in NHL history is held in Quebec City. Frank Nyber scores twice in the first period to lead the Ottawa Senators to a 3-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens. 1935, Babe Ruth signs a contract with the Boston Braves, released by the New York Yankees only one day earlier. Ruth will serve the Braves as a player, coach, and term vice president. 1959, the Boston Celtics beat the Minneapolis Lakers 173-139, as seven NBA records fall. The Celtics set records for most points, 179, most points in a half, 90, most points in a quarter, 52, and most field goals, 72. Boston's time, Boston's Tom Heinshawn leads all scorers with 43 points. Bob Cousy adds 31 while setting an NBA record with 28 assists. 1960, U.S. Olympic ice hockey team beats USSR 3-2 en route to gold medal. 1963, Mickey Mantle of New York Yankees signs a baseball contract worth $100,000. 1987, NCAA cancels SMU's entire 1987 football schedule for gross violations of NCAA rules regarding athletic corruption. 1988, the Baltimore Orioles trade third baseman Ray Knight to the Detroit Tigers in exchange for pitcher Mark Thurmond. 1988, Bonnie Blair of the U.S. wins Olympic 500 meters speed skating in record 39.1 seconds. 1992, Prairie View sets an NCAA Division I record for most defeats in a season with a 112-79 loss to Mississippi Valley State in the first round of the Southwestern Athletic Conference Tournament. Prairie View's 0-28 mark breaks the record of 27 losses shared by four teams. 1996, the Bulls defeat Minnesota 120-99 at the United Center and improved to 50-6, reaching 50 wins with the fewest losses in a season of any major professional sports team in the NBA, NHL, NFL, or MLB that century. 1999, Los Angeles Clippers broadcaster Ralph Lawler works his 1500th Clippers game in a game against the Atlanta Hawks. 2002, the sale of the Boston Red Sox to a group headed by John Henry becomes official. 2005, David Toms delivers the most dominant performance in the seven-year history of the match play championship, winning eight out of nine holes to put away Chris DeMarco with the largest margin of victory in the 36-hole final. 
The score of 6 and 5 could have been much worse as Tom was 9 up at one point. In 2013, Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors scores 54 points in a 109 to 105 loss to New York Knicks. Birthdays today, February 27th, 1933, Raymond Berry, Hall of Fame Colts wide receiver and former Patriots coach. 1955, Bob Rush, former Chiefs center. 1961, James Worthy, Hall of Fame Lakers forward. 1968, Loy Vaught, former Clippers forward. 1976, Tony Gonzalez, Hall of Fame Chiefs and Falcons tight end. 1984, Denard Spann, former Twins and Nationals outfielder. 1990, Chandler Jones, Raiders defensive end. 1992, Jake Ryan, former Packers linebacker. And 1996, Chris Godwin, Bucks wide receiver. And that is This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Triad Eye Institute. At 6.59 on the Blitz 11.70, a Tuesday here already in the 60s, about 62. Actually, it looks like we're jumped up around 65. It's going to be 86 today, but the wind will be about that same <laughs> speed, miles per hour. Uh, so, yeah, be careful out there. It's a rocks-in-your-pockets day, or make sure that you have your, uh, your skirt tied down. Either way. And then tomorrow, hey, don't worry, the uh, the bottom falls out and it's going to be ridiculously cold. <laughs> We're right back to oh, Oklahoma. Hey, but you know what? It's the last throws, baby. We are almost out of this. March is just around the corner. As a matter of fact, it's one Friday. All right, let's go take a look at some not sports, shall we? This is an interesting concept. Wendy's is doing something different. They're going to test a, what they call an Uber-style surge pricing model. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be delivering these in Uber necessarily. It just means the cost of food items will fluctuate during the day based on demand. So, mm. imagine if you go at lunch or dinner, what's going to happen? Price goes up. Yeah. Right? You go in an off time, price goes down. They want to roll this out next year and see if they can't basically just squeeze more money out of people who have no choice about when they go. Yeah. Uh, and they say they've been looking at doing this for quite a while because the demand is not the same, even though the staffing somewhat has to be. Now, you would think at some point maybe the staffing would change with the demand. You would also think, I don't, how many people, and I don't know, how many people still only have a very designated lunchtime and it never moves? So you only have 12 to 1 or whatever that may be. I mean, I know when you drive, for instance, when you drive through the, the pharmacy at, say, a Walmart or a neighborhood market, it says we're closed, I think it's 115 to 145 or something oh, like that for yeah. lunch. And, the, and then the pharmacy's closed, the only time they can all go. But there aren't very many, I mean, shift workers probably, but you're not going to generally leave the place anyway. So I wonder, doesn't it just mean the rest of us would just adjust how we do it? I could see that as a bit very real possibility. I mean, did that make more sense? Hey, look, you know, it's lunchtime. You want Wendy's? Sure, but let's not go until one thirty because the burgers are cheaper then. <laughs> Man, I just, I don't see how. They're having lunch at 3. I, I don't, don't see. Is there any way this works? And I'm sure there is because these guys are all way the hell smarter than me or they wouldn't be mm. running Wendy's. Oh, of course. But I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm not catching on. Are you? It, no, just especially with like the price. The, the terms about the price fluctuating, mm -hmm. you know, over time, I, I feel like that could get you in a hole, couldn't it? I would think. And what happens when somebody shows up at lunch and they order the same thing they got at lunch, you know, three weeks ago? At that point, cost four dollars, and now it's, now it's six fifty. <laughs> yeah. And you and you're going to stand there and argue. I don't want to be a Wendy's employee. I mean, I think their commercials are brilliant, but I don't want to see those. I don't want to be the, the, the bag boys that are standing there right now and having to argue with every person who comes up and doesn't understand why the hell it's suddenly a lot more expensive.
That's why they did away with the four for fours, because then it's going to be 12 for four a yeah, month later. I, it's, I, it's an interesting concept, I suppose, but I just can't see how it works. If you like it, let us know. 918-262-5072. All right. I finally have proof that having that six-pack is stupid. And I don't mean beer. I mean abs. Uh. This comes from a scientific medical study combined. Big abs. So really fit abs. Bad for your heart. Of course it is. Of course it is. The larger abdominal muscles have a greater risk of heart disease. So if you're out there every day getting that six-pack of abs, just know I will outlive you. <laughs> I'm not I'll bring, I'll bring you. my other six-pack. Yep, I'm not laughing at out. you. I'm just saying if you stand around long enough, you can find a study that supports you. <laughs> we'll just, just wait a month from now. We'll, we'll find a way to have six-packs support your heart, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure you can find it right now. <laughs> uh, have you ever worried about drinking through a straw causing wrinkles? I've not thought about it. Kaden? I, the reason this I, uh, the reason this makes some sense to me, first time I covered a political convention was 2012 in um, Denver, the Democratic convention there that nominated Obama. Or was that 2008? Anyway, his first Either? his first tour, his first convention. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And I remember, yeah, okay. And I remember there was a CBS producer there, and he looked really harried. And this was like three in the morning. We weren't even on the air yet. And I said, so I said, what's up? Because he was right next to us, and we, you know, we'd been talking. And he said, "I've got to find a hundred straws." And I said, "Yeah, well, why do you have to have find, have to find straws?" And he said, "Well, I not only have to have fine straws, I have to find a certain kind of straw because Katie Couric doesn't want to drink her coffee through anything else because she doesn't want to stain her teeth, and she doesn't want to drink it through a regular straw because it gives her lip wrinkles." Well, now there is a new lip wrinkleless straw. Because people are asking for this. So imagine that it looks a little bit like a lip almost. So it's wider. Hmm. And instead of sticking it in one little point and then kind of, you know, yeah, your like pucker everything. Your, yeah. Right. It, it kind of sits across maybe a third of the front of your mouth. So it's more even. There's a second one that looks just like a big curved straw. But it's got holes all along the top of it. So again... It's not just one little point. So if you always worried that that straw was causing lip wrinkles, turns out you were right. Yeah. If that's your biggest worry about causing lip wrinkles I'm through just straws, saying, I'm just, we need to rethink your, your priorities I'm just here. saying, hey, we've made them. We've made them because they're being asked for so you can find some them. cream. Uh, Shane Gillis, who was just on SNL, has got himself a new uh, comedy series that's been picked up. It's called Tires. He plays the employee of a relative who basically inherits an auto repair store and doesn't have any idea how to run it. And so he's trying to bring it back and trying to run it. And Shane Gillis plays his like cousin or something along those lines who he hires and does nothing but give him trouble. Now, That's after great. after his SNL performance, he uh, had a little extra mojo, if you will, and they mm -hmm. sold the script. Awesome. All right. So I told you that we always hear those stories about a Florida man. Well, a DJ down in Florida was on the air one day and thinking, you know what? I want to do a race or a fun thing for people who are not terribly athletic. So he did a slowest 5K. And then nice. he did a, he did a, he did a, uh, <clears throat> a, a meandering river race where you sat, all you did was just sit in your, you know, 
sit in your inner tubes and you wander the wandering river thing, you know, like at a water park. Well, then he came up with the idea of let's just let's really glom on to Florida Man. So they have now held the first ever Florida Man games in St. Augustine. They had things like a mullet contest, a weaponized pool noodle mud duel, a Florida mm. sumo. They had a pork butt eating contest. And these guys were covered, man. They were covered. Uh, I mean, all kinds of things. They, as you can imagine, everything you can imagine, Florida man, hold my beer and watch this. Yeah. They did it. You can find the results. <laughs> there are some pretty funny pictures in there. What kind of en- what kind of endorsement deals do you think a Florida man would get oh, for it's winning happen. one of these? It's happening. You know? It's happening. There's going to be the pork butt deal, and there's going to be the mullet yeah. deal. I mean, come on. Some NIL for the Florida man. Absolutely. There'll be some of that. We have, as we as every year we do, every year there's a brand new releasing of the of the favorite dog in each state. Most popular breed. Any guesses on what Oklahoma is? Please don't say it's Chihuahua. I'll give you some clues. Pennsylvania, a German Shepherd. Rhode nice. Island, a Shisu. N- nice little dog, right? Yeah. North Dakota, a Golden Retriever. Oh. Uh, that's you know that's nice. We like we like, we like retrievers, right? And Your in buddy. Oklahoma, it's a Chihuahua. Oh. What I, are we doing here? I don't know that we're doing anything. Oh, and in case you had decided to make your plans to go, you can cancel it. After 1,000 years, 1,000 years, Japan is ending their Naked Man Festival. 1,000 years. They said declining population in the area they hold it, declining people coming out to be naked and jump around with the older guys is why they've decided that they're going to have to do away with it. Time to sell my plane tickets. <sighs> I know. It is what is this world coming to? Mm. Let's get ourselves some birthdays that are not sports, shall we? <clears throat> and I will as soon as this reloads. Uh, let's see here. we have a big day or do we have a small day when it comes to this? Now that we're almost there. We're going to see Jim Parsons <laughs> on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to Add get back to into that later. Uh, yeah. Today, uh, Joanne Woodward, who is Paul Newman's widow, is 94 years old. Mm. How about that? Hillary and Bill Clinton's daughter, Chelsea, who used to be in the news ah. a lot, is 44-year-old. Ralph Nader is 90. If you don't know who that is, just do a little Google on it. Adam Baldwin, one of the Baldwin brothers, is 62. Kate Mara is 41. 41? Didn't realize she was 41. Wow, she just doesn't look 41. Yeah, Kate Mara, look her up. Uh, Lindsay Morgan uh, of the 100 is 34. Uh, And you you named the other uh, NBA NFL guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, In music, uh, Journey's Neil Sean, the guitarist, is 70. Josh Groban is only 43 years old today. Nice. Um, Jared Champion, the Cage of the the Elephant, is 41 today. Bobby Valentino is 44 today. And uh, formerly of Drive-By Truckers, Shauna Tucker is 46 years old today. 710 on the Blitz 1170. That does it for Not Sports. I am Rick Corey. That in the other room is Bryce Hulse. Coming up in a moment, Mick Wilson, the Athletic Director of Tulsa Public Schools, will have our monthly visit with the TPSAD next here on the Blitz. The Blitz text line is always open. 918-262-5072. You can text us anything you want at any time. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill. On the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. 
OSU Athletic Director Chad Weiberg has been appointed to the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee. It will be for a five-year term, effective September 1st. Oklahoma State Baseball will conclude their road trip tonight as they will be at 18th-ranked Dallas Baptist for a midweek tilt. Dallas Baptist is 7-0 on the season. First pitch is at 6-30. And Oklahoma State Softball will host a doubleheader against South Dakota State for their home opener today. First pitch for Game 1 is at 4 p.m. That's the Window World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Hulse on the Boots 1170 and streaming on the Boots 1170 app. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? Call us up at 918-879-1170. We want to hear from you. We can do that by text as well at 918-262-5072. That's the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line here inside the Tulsa Oilers studio. And I'm reminding you that when you go to an Oilers game, even if you buy some seats way up high, don't worry. We do the Blitz upgrade once a game. We'll call some seat numbers and take somebody from a seat that's maybe not as nice and put them right on down next to the ice. We do it every home game. It's called the Blitz Upgrade from the Oilers and the Blitz 1170. 7.15, time for us to have our weekly, pardon me, monthly visit with the Athletic Director at Tulsa Public Schools. That is Brent Venables look like Mick Wilson. How you doing, sir? Uh, good morning. How are you guys doing? Hey, not so bad. This is that time of year that sometimes you think, you know, we're kind of having to find things to talk about, but not because of you guys. You're really helping because high school basketball in the playoffs, my favorite time, this is an absolute Oh, I cannot imagine. You might as well throw a team in a washing machine. Surviving these playoffs is tough, and TPS shines pretty well here, don't they? Well, Rick, I tell you, we're really proud uh, of where we've uh, come out this last weekend. We, uh, For example, we're just talking uh, before we got on the air here. I was visiting with a couple of people, and 5A Boys East Bracket, the area, obviously has eight teams, and five of those are Tulsa Public. So we'll have uh, good shots to send uh, – three teams into the state tournament and probably possibly could have been more had we not been playing one another. One side of the bracket is all Tulsa public with Memorial East Central in Edison. So uh, really, really proud of where we've landed basketball wise. We still have nine teams playing, including two 5A girls teams with Booker T and Rogers. And then obviously in 4A boys, we still have uh, your alma mater, the Hell Rangers and uh, our McLean Titans. So uh, nine teams. Uh, we've been really busy traveling all over the place, but uh, what what a fun time and what a great chance for us to make a run of a few state championships. Yep, absolutely. And it's I just like seeing TPS with that kind of success. There's no doubt. And it is too bad, like you said, you kind of kind of eliminate yourselves against each other. What kind of things do you guys do when it gets to playoff time? We talked about it in football and security and things like that. In basketball, we've had really good crowds, and I know you guys take this really seriously. So what all changes when it actually comes to playoff? Of time or does anything well really uh, not a lot of changes uh, in fact uh ossa called us late last week and asked us to host uh, the 6a boys and girls area over at east central high school again uh, we don't get to play at home now once you advance into the area so uh for us our teams are all on the road but uh we're excited about showing off our new gymnasium at uh at east central and again uh, we'll go ahead and follow our reg- regular protocol we have uh been in communication with OSSA. We want to make sure that our uh, our vision aligns with theirs as far as security and safety. So uh, we'll continue to do what we do. But uh, we, as we travel, and a lot of our teams play in different venues, we see some that are more secure than others. Okay. But again, uh, I think everyone is trying to put their best foot forward and keep our kids safe and be able to uh, enjoy games as we move along. And it, it's just so busy. I mean, there's so many games. When you get to high school basketball in, in the area, try to get you know from the the initial round into the area's rounds, 
it's just so busy. I mean, are you literally 6 to 6, you know, or 6 to 10, that kind of thing? I mean, every day, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m.? Well, a lot, especially during uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You know, our staff here, we uh, we all pick games that we want to go to, and then off we off we go, and uh, it keeps us busy. Uh, I think there was one time last week I went to three different places. I was over in Vertigris, I was in Bristow, and uh, even stopped by Cleveland. So, again, with the 4A and 5A folks being in different places, uh, it definitely keeps mm-hmm. us on the move. And uh, it's a little more consistent this year, not having you know, Booker T moving down from 6A to 5A, so we're able to see more people rather than feeling more spread out. So, again, uh, kudos to our coaches that really worked hard. Both boys and girls teams are continuing to play well, but uh, it's a small sacrifice for me to get out and, and be at different places when uh, our kids are having a lot of success, uh, for sure. Mick Wilson with us, Tulsa Public Schools Athletic Director. If you have a question, we have a few more minutes. You're welcome to get it to us on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line at 918-262-5072. Bryce? Mick, as you said, a lot of TPS teams still alive uh, for for championship aspirations. How important do you think that is in terms of the legacy of your teams? Just because a lot of people still look at uh, TPS basketball as kind of the flagship sport for for Tulsa Public Schools. No question. I mean, uh, I think that's a that's a great uh, observation, Bryce. Again, basketball has been over the history of, of this state, Tulsa public has, has probably been as dominant, maybe the most dominant. And of course our, our legacy goes back to the green country conference, which was legendary back in the day. And again, now that we have basketball districts that that is no longer, but you know, you look at people like Memorial schools like Memorial and Booker T Washington and, and uh, those people have great legacies, great traditions. And so I think it aligns with a lot of the things that we're excited about in our communities uh, still hold dear to true to basketball and so uh, we, you know, our coaches, we still have really good coaches and we have great interest when we do have coaching openings come up. We have a lot of quality people apply for those positions because I think they realize that there's a lot of good basketball played here. So it uh, it really does uh, leave a legacy for our kids and a lot of tradition. And again, uh, you know, I don't care what year it is, whether it's, uh, you know, in a down year considered, anytime that the Memorial boys show up, uh, they expect to win. And it's that way across the board in several of our schools. The McLean boys right now are as hot as anybody in the state and uh, on, a, on a quest with uh, former uh, Oklahoma State Cowboy Randy Rutherford leading the way. So uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with as well. So we're excited about this opportunity. And uh, on our girls' side with Booker T and uh, Rogers playing really, really well, uh, I think we'll have a good shot at uh, making a serious run for 5A girls. So it's a great time and uh, couldn't be proud of our teams and our coaches. I understand that. Now we also have baseball beginning, wrestling. We've got the many other sports that you're kind of transitioning in and around. What else is happening? Well, the wrestling, I'm glad you brought that up, Rick, because we just probably had one of the best years in the history of our district. Uh, for sure, in the girls' side, we had two girls from McLean. were both uh, wrestling Saturday evening for state championships. They both lost. But uh, both were state runner-ups, and the McLean girls, they're as a team, finished seventh out of out of the 45 schools that were in their division. So, uh, good things going on there with 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 those young ladies. Being Aubrey Bolton and Harmony Callens uh, wrestled very very well. Uh, both those girls have burst onto the national scene during summer summer wrestling. So we're excited about the opportunities. They're both juniors, so uh, McLean girls will have a legitimate chance next year at a team state championship, and they'll have several qualifiers. Uh, we had uh, girls from. Rogers, Booker T, uh, Nathan Hale, Will Rogers, and Edison all wrestling. And then on the boys' side, we had uh, one one place fourth in Elijah Cherry from Edison. But again, we had Edison, Booker T, East Central, Webster, Will Rogers, and Hale all have boys that qualified. Uh, Rogers even had three 
uh, out of that group. And East Central had three as well. So, again, as we continue to push with our wrestling, excited about the opportunities for our kids to be able to participate uh, or win state championships and, and really, more importantly, maybe uh, have a chance to wrestle at the college level. So these kids have really worked hard, and we're proud of uh, what they've done this year. Last thing for you, I want to talk here with Mick, and it's something that really happened in college. We saw the court storming, and there's been a lot of talking about that lately after what happened to Filipowski. He's not hurt you know, badly, neither was Caitlin Clark a few weeks ago, but it's become a thing. How do you guys handle that in high school? Well, the great thing about our venues, Rick, that we've uh, as we've built great uh, gymnasiums and really have enjoyed it, is most of all our access to the gymnasium floors. There's actually no access, so uh, our bleachers are up and above. We have railings, so uh, you you have to enter the court through a separate area. So uh, we were kind of ahead of the game. We always told our architects as we design our gymnasiums that uh, we want to make sure that there's no court access from from the bleachers, and so we have that. Other than uh, at uh, at McLean, or not at McLean with a new gym now, but at, at Hale, uh, we do have still have floor access. I believe that's the only gym we have left and central where uh, you have to be real cognizant of people coming onto the mm-hmm. court. But at, at the other gymnasiums were in, were in good shape. But it's definitely something that you have to be uh, on your toes because kids can still jump over the rail and enter the court. But again, uh, you know, we've uh, really tried to educate our administrators and athletic directors to stay on top of that. And and I hope we don't see that trending to the high school and that become a problem because, uh, you know, we don't want to uh, get kids hurt when uh, it's unnecessary. If you were at a college, how would you handle it? Well, it's funny you bring that up. All all the years I spent on the college level, that's actually something that we used to talk about was uh, being able to try to keep kids off the floor. And I'm not sure outside of having a a large security force that uh, you can always do that. I mean, uh, you know, uh, that that's to me is a nightmare because now you've got to sort out. I hope you have good video because there's probably going to get kids that are going to get in trouble or uh, get some type of uh, sanction against them where they can attend games or whether they're prosecuted uh, by the law. But, again, I just think that's a complete nightmare. And I'm not sure right now that – NCAA has a, has a solution to this because it, it happens in football, as you've seen, Rick, when they mm-hmm. tear the goalpost. So I think that it's going to be something they're definitely going to have to deal with, and uh, it probably won't be an easy solution. No, it never is. There's no doubt about that. But I know it's always busy for you. Oh, very last thing. I'm sorry. I'd forgotten to ask you this. I saw the word this morning that Kurt Hartzler is going to be re, uh, retiring over at Union. I've known him for a long, long time. And I know he's not a part of Tulsa Public Schools. He's at Union. Still, he's an administrator, and he's somebody I know you've you've been around and dealt with. Any thoughts on his retirement? Well, he's had a successful career. Obviously, had uh, had a son that was a very good basketball player. But uh, Kirk is uh, he uh, he's a first class guy, and uh, want to wish him well in his retirement. And uh, he always is uh, has a great affinity for for sports and athletics, and uh, yeah. want to thank. For all the contributions he's made to uh, not only to Union but throughout Northeast Oklahoma, he's uh, been a good advocate for all student athletes, and so we definitely want to wish him well in his retirement and uh, hope that uh, he uh, gets out on the golf course or in his boat and does some fishing. <laughs> yeah, I bet he does both those things. Uh, Mick, it's always good. Have a great month, and we'll talk to you again next month and see what's happening. 
Thank you, guys. I sure appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Mick Wilson, he is the athletic director at Tulsa Public Schools here on the Blitz 1170. It is 726. That's Bryce Olson in the next room. I got another text from Lynn over at Chili, who had texted me and said that Bryce laughs like Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang, and then as soon as I said that, Bryce did it. And he, he texted and said, okay, you made me laugh a couple of times. Back to work now, though. Somebody broke a window over there again overnight, which is stupid, but he's got to go back and get that fixed and put the chili on for the day. So we made you made uh, you made Lynn's day, Bryce. Thank you very much. Sweet. All right, so we talked there about court, court storming a little bit, and the reason I ask is, I mean, I, I, well, I am, I, well, as I said before, I didn't so much graduate at Hale as I was asked to leave. But anyway, I went to school at Hale and have a diploma from there, and I do remember with our floor there in basketball, you could just walk right onto the floor. Not all of them are that way, and I understand mm-hmm. that. You still worry, though, because in some instances, a raised platform is harder or worse because kids will jump off anyway. Yeah, uh, and that's why I wondered about what they have done. It's a little easier to have enough security, hopefully, at a high school game than it is at a college game. But I listened yesterday, Jay Billis, who was who had a severe opinion about this, and I thought, okay, that makes sense too. I have a question about it though, but I want to play that. We're going to take our break, and we're going to come back, and I want to play you that, and let me have you tell me what you think about that. I don't know that we're going. As a matter of fact, I can almost guarantee you, we're not going to fix this. Uh, and part of what what he says is why, but I want you to hear his opinion, hear what he thinks, and, I, and then I want to get your opinion about that too, here on the Blitz eleven seventy. And still to come, I mentioned this on the other the other night on SNL. Shane Ellis was on Gillis Ellis, whatever his name is. Gillis, and, yeah, and they had this uh, bit called bot, Rock Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Rock Bottom Kings. It's a takeoff on DraftKings, but it's about sports betting. Mm-hmm. But it's about if you bet on your buddy who is, has the problem and when he's going to hit rock bottom. <laughs> and it's it's pretty doggone funny. I want to play that for you. We'll do that sometime next half hour as well. It is 728 here inside the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. He's Bryce Hulse. I'm Rick Corey. You can text us at 918-262-5072 and be a part of it anytime right here on the Blitz 1170. The Blitz is broadcasting in HD on your FM dial. Turn your HD-equipped radio to 106.9 KHTT HD2. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Oklahoma State Athletic Director Chad Weiberg has been appointed to the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee. It will be for a five-year term, effective September 1st. And in the Big 12 Basketball Conference last night, West Virginia raced a 25-point road deficit to force overtime, but it wasn't enough to beat Kansas State as the Wildcats went 94-90. 15th-ranked Baylor bounces back from their loss against Houston with a 62-54 road victory at TCU. And tonight in the Big 12 Conference, it's Cincinnati at top-ranked Houston at 6, BYU at 7th-ranked KU at 7, and Texas Tech at Texas or Texas at Texas Tech at 8 o'clock. That's the window world of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Hulse on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The Blitz 1170 weather provided by Community Care, your locally owned health plan. Blitzing up your mornings. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? You can always join in by texting us at 918-262-5072. We love it when you do that. That is the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line here on the Blitz 1170. Bryce Alls in the next room. I'm Rick Corey. We talked yesterday an awful lot uh, about um, this court storming. 
and and I got it irritates me for for a lot of reasons because it can't end if if it if it wants to end, but I don't know that anybody wants to yet, and I'm just waiting for somebody to get hurt. And we had an interaction with a couple of texters yesterday. One who said, and I don't disagree with him, who said, "Look, this is what they want. It's going to happen, and eventually someone's going to get hurt, and whether it's going to be an athlete who gets hurt." Or a fan who approaches an athlete and decides to mock them and gets, you know, picked up and, you know, body slammed on their head who then gets hurt. But it's going to happen sooner or later. And that's just tragic in my mind. So as I was thinking about this yesterday, and I got a lot of time to think on three-hour drives to and from Oklahoma City for Lindsay's treatments, you know, I get through a lot of this in my head. And I, I I kept coming back to the same thing, which is, as I mentioned yesterday, anytime they're on the court, Make sure that you find them or that you ban them for life or whatever. Then I heard Jay Billis say something similar. So I wanted to, and he was on a show yesterday with Stephen A. Smith and I think Shannon Sharp. Uh, and this is what he said. This, These were his comments about court storming and how he believes you could stop it. Fans don't belong on the court ever. And players don't belong in the stands. It's a pretty simple proposition. You know, the NCAA and the member institutions will say the player safety is number one. There's nothing more important than player well-being. But uh, that's simply not true because they're continuing to allow this. And in fact, they're encouraging it. And the truth is, we're encouraging it in the media. We put court stormings at the end of every highlight when there's an upset. We're encouraging it. And even though it's banned in the SEC and they have to pay a $100,000 fine on the first offense and then it goes up to 250000 or five hundred, whatever it is, uh, the institutions are happy to pay it because they like the visual. They like having that to take pictures of it, to show it. Here's how passionate we are and here's what we're about, that kind of stuff. And it, it just didn't you know, take uh, a genius to say that, that something's going to happen. And when it does, let's not act surprised. This is not only foreseeable, it's inevitable. And we've had significant injuries over this in the past, to, to fans especially, and nothing really changes. And But the truth is, nothing's going to change now. We're going to talk about it, and it's going to go away, and nothing's going to change. And if they wanted to stop it, they could stop it tomorrow. Uh, the, the, the administrators will tell you that uh, security experts tell them that it's not, it's not a good idea to try to stop the court storming, that that could cause more problems than it would solve. But you don't have to stop the court storming. One time, all you have to do is once they're on the court, don't let them off. Just just say you're all detained and give them all citations or arrest them if you want to. And then court stormings will stop the next day. Um, there's no accountability for this. It, it, the fans feel like it's an entitlement and the universities like it. And the truth is we like it. Now, one last thing on this. Years ago, when, when fans would run out on the field or on the court during a game, it was, it was network policy not to show that because we didn't want to encourage it. So what does that say about the way we in the media use these images now? We, we can't deny that we encourage it, or at least tacitly approve of it. And uh, everybody has to accept some responsibility for this. It, I don't think it's the right thing to allow this, but I know that it's going to continue. So he makes several excellent points, and the same points that Byron made to us yesterday. They want this, you know, and he's right there at the end. Remember, we talked yesterday about the idiots who go streak, and the old days they would show them running around, and you'd see a football player clean their clock or knock them down, or it happened in baseball or whatever. Now they officially don't show it. They had one at the Super Bowl this year. You didn't see it. 
Yeah. Right? It cut and away I, and you I didn't I think see Tony it. Romo was being told by a producer in his ear because Tony Romo kept, shut on, up. Yeah, kept on referencing it. So yeah. But you're right. They don't they don't show it at all. <clears throat> but you have to tell Tony to shut up a lot. Yeah. Um, and but he's right because now you can't not show court storming at the end of a basketball game if you've got a wide shot of the game as it ends. You'd have to cut away to what? Maybe a picture of the broadcast team immediately, which you could do, mm-hmm. or into the crowd shots or whatever, or you immediately go to highlights. And you could do that, but otherwise, he's right. It's wanted, and I don't think the schools necessarily hate it either. Yeah. Now, to the point about administrators will tell you that security experts say you can't try to keep them from coming on the court. That's probably true, unless you had so many people lined up at security that you really, literally, almost had a SWAT team. Mm. But I like his idea, and it's really close to what I said. As soon as they're down there, boom, you're hammered. Now, here's the thing. It's hard to keep them from getting down there. going to be just as hard to keep them from getting out. So yeah. if they once they, get, or, right? <laughs> right, once they get down there, I mean, it, not every arena just has a door you can shut. As a matter of fact, few of them do. You've seen it. We've all seen it. Most of them are just tunnels. And if they start scurrying through those tunnels in the undersides of arenas, that's not any better. Because now they're out there in areas where the locker rooms are and maybe training areas or whatever. You know, if you walk in the rental center where we walk in as media, you walk into a big gigantic area where they have the big doors, you know, the commercial doors where they bring in their trucks and there's stuff back there. There are forklifts and equipment and things like that. And there's the technical booths and things like that. I mean, all the stuff they would suddenly be around if they started scurrying back through the hallways keeping them in there would probably be as hard as keeping them off the court. It's like they can't stop all of us, right? You know. But if you were to find a way, let's just say you brought out law enforcement for the day and they were all just hanging around and then you block those exits and then you you do, you detain them all. You give everybody in there a ticket. You give everybody in there or you're, I don't know that you'd arrest everybody in there personally, yeah, but I could certainly, I'd certainly find out. And look, even if you can't do it from a standpoint of keeping them in there, camera technology and face recognition as such, you could pinpoint who that is, mm. and then they're banned. No more. You'll did, never come to a game. Did again. you have a visual element of that of, of that video that you played? Because I could have, I could have sworn that I heard you, like a scoff or like snickering whenever Jay Billis brought up, keep them on the court and arrest them. Well, you know, yeah, that, well, you, mean, heard, you saw Stephen A. Smith, and I think, again, it was Shannon Sharp who were in split screens with him yeah. the entire time. Otherwise, yeah, they were showing court stormings, and that's why there was music that came into the middle of the background of that, okay. is it was part of the video with them showing some of I thought I, I thought I kind of heard like a, you know. You or did, and that was one of them. Okay. And yeah, I I've, yeah. think it was Stephen A. Smith. At any rate, I would like to know what you think about his, his opinion. It's not really that different than what we said yesterday. But I think it would be interesting, and I don't care how many times you announced it. I don't care how many times you told the crowd. You can hand out leaflets before. You could put a a flyer in their seat. As someone who owns a business and sends out information that is vital for people to read, I will tell you, and I'm not making this up, that about 95% of them don't. When I send out, when when I'm dealing with dive students, scuba students, because I'm an instructor with a business, I have to send out an, I, an email. I can't text this or that. Uh, call each individual person because it's a good amount of information. And I have to say, I send this email out, and it's very easily laid out. It tells you everything you need to know. 
95% easily of the time when people show up, they don't, they're not doing anything you ask. And when you say, did you read the email? Nah, I saw it, but I just, I didn't really read it. Yeah. But so they don't hear, they don't pay attention. I'm not complaining. It's just kind of where we are. Okay? But people don't do those kinds of things. They don't listen. So you could tell them all day long. You could lay those flyers in their seats. They're not going to read them. They're going to throw them on the floor. I mean, some people will read them, but for the most part, it's going to become trash. And then even if they go on the court, what's going to happen? They're going to claim they didn't know. Hmm. That's what's going to happen. And those those are the best opportunities, I feel like, to uh, try and get out ahead of it is, you know, when you look at the Dukes and the Kansases of the world, those are guaranteed, almost guaranteed court stormings no matter where they rank. And they're used to it, too. They understand they're, they're it's going to it. happen. Uh, so I, I feel like that can kind of help the case a little bit of trying to prepare, but it's just, it's such a, I don't want to say complex issue, but it's just so hard to exactly figure out how to, how to hammer it down. And, and I think that's, I think that's been the biggest thing that I've kind of gotten through all this is we, we all understand the issues with it and what exactly, uh, the problems that could happen, yep. but. I mean, there's just so many avenues to go down about how you ex how you exactly stop it. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, you know, and some people don't want it to stop. Some no, people... the answer, of course, is to have enough people in there to keep to keep it from happening. But you just will never do it because of costs. Yeah, it, it's just not going to happen. And you know the, that whole part about security people saying it would be harder to keep them off. Don't don't try. What they're trying to do is prevent fighting and shoving. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the thing that used to happen in festival seating and concerts where people would hurt themselves trampling others to try to get to their, you know, the best seat when you could just open seating things. You know, after the yeah. deaths of, what, three or four people at that concert in Cincinnati in the 70s, they stopped festival seating for the most part. And mm -hmm. then you, you would end up with something along those lines as people are trying to, you know, and you don't know what they've been drinking either and, and that kind of thing and how yeah. violent they get mm -hmm. and what they might have on them. And it leads to a lot of things. Now, mm -hmm. again, we've only had a couple of situations this year, Caitlin Clark and then Filipowski, but we know we're headed for it. And we know now that it's in the media and now that it's being talked about a lot more, more people are going to be determined to do it because there are those kinds of knuckleheads out there that are going to say, Florida man, hey, you know what? You tell me I can't, or by golly, that's exactly what I'm going to do then. You're going to have some of that. Well, and I think that that's the issue is we see it more now, right? Especially with social media, with uh, smartphones, we're able to see a lot of this stuff more. And used to, I used to think that that was an argument against it all. Like, oh, this stuff was always happening but now we just see it. I mean, I, I sent a video to my brother the other day because he was asking about this, and I was saying how I don't think it it's gotten so rampant necessarily just because I, I sent him a video from about 20 years ago probably. It, was, it looked like it was early 2000s mm -hmm. um, where Missouri beat Nebraska in Columbia, and there is a video. Football or basketball? Uh, football, football. So Nebraska, kind of in their heyday, oh, where yeah. they, they were used to getting the court or the field stormed, and there was a student running by a Nebraska player, and the Nebraska got he said something, a Nebraska player decked him right mm -hmm. in the face. That was over twenty years ago, right? Yep. Um, we're we're starting to see issues like that more because everybody has access to things like that. 
Um, again, you're not seeing players deck students, but you're seeing a lot of situations where that could easily happen. But I worry about it. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, I think, a part of me wants to say, well, this stuff has always been happening to a degree, but if you start seeing so many different opportunities of people, and again, like like you're saying, people now wanting to have their own moment mm-hmm. with that, with a player to try and get in his face about something uh, it, it's it's going to cause a media storm easily. So. Yeah, and especially when somebody does get really hurt. You know, had Filipowski had a knee and a, a career, or a, you know, a season or career-ending knee injury from that. Oh yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, where that would have gone. I mean, and there could have been civil actions and all kinds of other stuff. At least possibly, you know. And there are just so many avenues of it that just don't make any sense to me. And it, I, I, I don't get it from one standpoint. And part of this is just probably because I've spent so many times, so much time covering a game. I don't know what jumping on the field and running out there to pat a player on the back gains me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I just, so I've never understood it from that standpoint. Or running onto a court in basketball just to hop up and down. I like excitement, but I can be as excited in the stands. And hey, trust me, I'm a fan. You've heard me say when I'm watching, say Duke or A and M, which are teams that I I have an affinity for for personal reasons, then I I am a fan, and I get as frustrated and I get as happy as any other fan does when I'm broadcasting. It's very different. I don't. It's I just don't have that. I have connection certainly because I've been around them a long time, but I don't have the same thing happening. And I I, I approach it differently. But even as a fan, say at A and M, I can't imagine running onto the field for something, or at Duke, running mm-hmm. onto the court for something. I, I just, I don't know. It doesn't come to my mind as being a cool, fun thing to do. I, so for me, the mindset's a little bit off, too, but that's just that's just me, and I know a lot of people, obviously, by what we see on television and, as you said, by social media, don't agree. They agree that running out there and jumping up and down with your player friend is the best thing you'll do. <laughs> well, and again, there was just a short time ago where this wasn't uh, causing as much of a firestorm, right? It seemed like we understood that that was that there there was a clear distinction between right and wrong and how to handle that. And mm-hmm. there's going to be some knuckleheads. We can move on from it. But now, because you're seeing so many opportunities from it, uh, it's becoming more of a conversation. Have we What's seen going on? Have we seen court storming in tennis? Equestrian wrestling, nope. nope. Softball we have, haven't we? Uh, maybe. Baseball, maybe. Maybe, uh, but yeah, football and basketball. Those lacrosse. Are How about a pool storming and swimming? That's fun. Why don't we think about that? Come on now. I mean, if we're gonna go the distance, then let's let's have a little. You know, mm-hmm. let's have some onions here. Let's let's pool it, storm. It, it it comes down to the money makers, right? Just. Football and basketball. So you tell me down, you, you could only, you're think, only gonna storm something <laughs> if it really makes money for the school. No, I'm, I mean I'm I'm saying that I I, the saying. yeah the idea of it. No, I know <laughs> I, what you're saying. Whenever when, whenever I uh, stormed Gallagher Iba in 2018 after beating Kansas, I wasn't like this is gonna make our school so much money. No, I wasn't doing that. Okay, so but, why did you then? Because you swept Kansas for the first time that that's ever happened to Bill Self, and, and being on the court and changed the that court. for you how? Because I. Uh, I think a part of it is growing up seeing it and you want to eventually have that moment, right? But again, it's at that time, so that's 2018. Mm-hmm. I'm 19 years old. Forgive me, Rick. But, <laughs> but, uh, I'm not blaming it, you yeah, now. Yeah, no, I'm I, asking I, for a I mindset. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think it just comes down to specific scenarios is a game like that was a blowout. Mm-hmm. Kansas, again, is one of those schools where they know it's going to happen. There was a point where OSU, I'm pretty sure, dribbled 
the ball, the dribbled the clock out mm-hmm. as Kansas is basically off the court. Leaving, yeah. it, it it makes it a little bit more organized. I brought up really quickly uh, a point to you about Creighton and how they handled uh-huh. their court storming against yep. UConn. That was in a blowout scenario, and they had a lot of security that just basically. They, they blocked off the student section as well as they could till there was triple zeros. And again, by that time in a blowout, the players are basically off. Mm-hmm. And they had one section just designated to the Yukon area, that bench and that kind of visiting area. Um, so it, I think it just comes down to specific, specific scenarios. Is every school, um, if there's just a sliver of a possibility of a court storming, going to have to hire just a full-on security onslaught for situations like that? I mean, again, it's just... We, we, we could talk about four, for four hours about yeah, this type of thing, about all the different things we and, do. By the way, I'm not making fun of you. I was, no, I know you I was asking a mindset for that because my daughter did it once after yeah. A&M seven overtimes against LSU and Joe Burrow. I thought about that when you yeah, t- talked about Storm Caulfield. <laughs> she jumped on there and ran out there with everybody else and FaceTimed us there for a moment because she was in that moment and she, you know, she was a part of that whole thing. You brought up something there that I think is really smart. I don't know why the heck I didn't. Well, I don't know why I didn't think of it. I'm not that bright. Um, you know, you don't need to get the, you don't need to hold off the entire arena. You just need to protect the visiting team. So what if there is a 20 person contingent whose entire job is just to get them off? So you, you create a, you know, almost like a police line and Mm -hmm. it goes straight from their bench at that point, you know, let's don't even have the players go shake hands and interact. Players leave, coaches shake hands, gone. Yeah. You know, because I'm cool at the shaking hands part, but, you know, the players interacting slows everything. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you you build them a tunnel and you they are gone because the guys and the ladies coming onto the court are not going to – I mean, they may they may irritate the home team, but, but they're on no your side. Danger, yeah, yeah, right. You know? They're not going to come up and mock you yeah. and then possibly get themselves tossed that, into a corner. That, that is a good point because you see the aerial view, especially in Bedlam football, that mm-hmm. there's just this giant L mm-hmm. guarding that – Oklahoma sideline. I, I've told you off the air a couple times. That was one of my biggest concerns. Was if OSU wins that game, I don't want anybody running to Trace Ford, for example, mm-hmm. trying to just with that whole storyline. Like I was very concerned about that because again, if an OU player wants to react, I'm not going to care about you. Exactly. And I think that was the main priority there. So maybe we figured this out, Rick. Maybe just a, yeah, a contingent to do stand there and do that. I, and one quick thing I'll tell you: you want to learn how to do it, go to the California Highway Patrol. Mm. And you're going to think that's stupid, but when uh, we were in Cleveland covering the convention there, the Donald Trump convention in Cleveland for the GOP, every law enforcement agency in America had a branch at the convention. And they were very proud of this, and you saw each person in their, you know, their uniforms. I stood next to the largest human I've ever seen in my life, (laughs) I think, who was an Indiana highway patrolman. He was a giant, really nice guy. But what would happen is when it got a little bit rowdy, California Highway Patrol would show up. And would see, and that may sound stupid, you know, chips, yes. When their SWAT, if you will, or special operations team would show, they were dressed all in black like ninjas. They had, they had their riot shields and all their stuff with them, their black boots. They had their – and they were on bicycles, and what they would do is they would show up and they would turn those bicycles sideways and stand behind them and they created a wall. Mm. And they and they were loaded to the teeth too now. I mean, <laughs> they had what they needed, believe me. They didn't just bring a bicycle. And things could be happening and things could be loud. When those dudes showed up, quiet. 
Yeah. They were serious, and they they had to prove it once, and they did. And the rest of the time, when they showed up, everybody started <laughs> to mind. Mm-hmm. You want to learn how to handle a crowd? Go check those out those guys. cats. <laughs> and then you, you get your 15 or 20 guys, and you – you know what? I wonder if that's a, a, a business for somebody. Stadium security to get your team off, and we'll bring in our team. This is how much we're going to charge. We're going to guarantee you, your guys, you guys get off. Each yeah. school has to kick into it, and you have a group, if you will, who does it. And of course, you could do it probably at each campus, but I wonder if that's a business opportunity. <laughs> Seven fifty-four Blitz eleven seventy. All right, I mentioned that bit from SNL. I definitely have to get to that. It's called Rock Bottom Kings. We'll play that next. When we get back right here on the Blitz eleven seventy. The Blitz eleven seventy stream is brought to you by Duck Creek Casino, your hometown casino. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. In women's college basketball tonight, the OSU Cowgirls will host 22nd-ranked West Virginia for senior night in Stillwater. The Cowgirls have one top 25 win this season. Tip-off for that one is at 6.30. And Oklahoma State softball will host a doubleheader against South Dakota State for their home opener. First pitch for game one is at 4 p.m. Game two will start at 6.30. That's the Window World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Hulse on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.